week, another podcast. Hi, Rob. Hey, how's it going, Kelly? Not too bad. Are you enjoying this beautiful Indian summer we're having? Yes, it's uh, middle of November and it was what, 18, 19 degrees today and sunny. Oh, it was so nice. I actually went out without a, a jacket on, just like a nice sweater. It's perfect weather. I know. It's uh, very unusual for this time of year. Mm-hmm. Hey, before we start, um, sad news. I don't know if you saw, but Alex Trebek died today. I did. That was very um, so sad. What a national treasure, you I know? know. I thought it would be a good idea to just uh, bring that up before we get going. Because I learned this scene on, the, uh, on Curling Canada's Facebook page today that he actually called curling games once. They had a picture of him with... Uh, no I way. Don't know who, but it was an old black and white photo and he was because he worked for the CBC a long time ago and yeah. he was uh calling some curling event. It was uh Oh, we need to dig that up. I know. Yeah, we'll have to we'll talk about it more next week, I guess, once we've actually learned more, yeah. but yeah. Sad. I wonder if uh, the I wonder if they'll do like a trivia. You know how we before COVID when we used to go to bar trivia, like trivia night, I wonder if they'll um, do a virtual like homage to Trebek. Oh, and fun fact, uh, one of your old teammates and the sister of one of my old teammates appeared on Jeopardy. That's true. That was, yeah, I remember that. And I remember the first question was what, or first answer, I guess, was what is Quebec? The (laughs) prophet. And she only didn't get it because... You, I don't Someone think she was quick on the buzzer. Before. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, that's what one of the many reasons I would fail on Jeopardy. I wouldn't know most of the things, and then the buzzer. Honestly, it sounds so stressful to be on there. Like just you're having your heart racing. Like I know when we do trivia nights and we get uh, we're like tied for first place, and we have to do a tiebreaker, and then everyone has to go up in the front, and it's like a first. Oh, it's first person tap. Like your heart's pounding, you know. It's stressful. It's hard to watch Jeopardy with somebody, I find, because they're just yelling out the, wait, wait, I haven't even finished reading. So <laughs> you, need to, you need to watch Jeopardy with someone who's less knowledgeable in random facts. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Or you watch, uh, I like to watch the kids or college round because then, you know. That's like, more I my know more feed, yeah. Answers. I can keep up with those ones. But yeah, that was our sad news. Sad way to start uh, for this week. I guess the other big news uh, from this week, just following current affairs, it was a very contentious uh, political week this week. Rob, I was more stressed than uh, I thought I would be. <laughs> I guess it's just the the anticipation of just seeing like what's going to happen and just seeing those states change from blue to red, from red to blue. Wait, what are you t- states change? What are you talking about? Wait, what are you talking about? I was talking about how countries select <laughs> their their curling representatives. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I thought you were talking about the election for a second. <laughs> now that, folks, that is a segue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's like the only thing that was on my brain this week with everyone message. Anyways, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would be hard to top. <laughs> okay, we're good. Okay, yeah, so we didn't plan that. That's just, uh, that's how good we are. Your segues have gotten too good, Rob. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, I guess what we're actually going to get into is um, the way different countries select their representatives to curl internationally. Very contentious, very uh, controversial in some countries. There's definitely two uh, schools of thought here. Um Canada definitely has its way of selecting um, its candidate, which, and uh, my personal opinion, is 
it's the best method or the fairest method. Um, but other countries have a different selection process um, for certain reasons, you know, sometimes like, especially with countries that are smaller in population or doesn't have as big of a curling culture as Canada. But I agree because, with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, because this is, this is such a contentious issue, we're going to split this podcast into two parts because I feel like we can ramble on. We on could this go on for a week. Yeah. For a long time. So this week, we're just going to focus on Canada and how Canada does things and kind of dig deep into is it really the best selection process we have right now given how the game has changed so much over the years and um, kind of go from right. there yeah just right off the top I agree with you I like the Canadian system look at that yeah. we're no longer fighting over a swathing versus <laughs> straight cutting we're finally in agreement on something mm -hmm. and so I think this is a Canada versus the world thing because I don't know many other Canadians who who would want to adopt the other selection processes. Um, right. And who better to talk about this, by the way, than two people who have no chance of ever coming close to this. <laughs> it's true. We gave up our competitive or like our chances to, to win a title a long time ago. So I guess um, to explain a little bit more like what we're talking about. So for the world or what a lot of countries in, in Europe and some of the other smaller countries around the world the way they select their national team is they will have um, like a national squad or they will hand select a national team and then develop that team and put all the resources in that team. So they have the best chance of winning medals or doing well in the world. Whereas Canada, we have uh, our process is uh, you win it and you get to go. That's right. Basically. Anybody can in theory. Yeah, we have playdowns starting from the regional level up to provincial. And then if you win your, your province, then you get to go to either the Briar or the Scotties and represent your province or territory. Whoever the winner is gets to represent Canada. That's the way it should be. <laughs> no. Pretty simple. It's a little more complicated than that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a traditionalist. I've always liked that system. But it's pretty interesting how um, just that even though we've not really changed formats, it's evolved quite a lot over the last few years. And I think we're Canada's starting to get at a point where it has to change again because there are some issues. It's like it's not a perfect process either, right? I don't know. No? Well, yeah. the way Canada does it, I mean, it's part of competition, right? Like you train, you play down you like do everything you have to do to like get that title and it's like it's fair game and I think yeah ultimately the field in Canada is so deep that anybody who makes it far in Canada deserves to be there they mm -hmm. you're gonna get I mean I ran through the list of recent winners and it's like there's three skips that keep winning every year we just go back and forth between them but yeah if anybody beats them they've earned it yeah they're gonna sure. do as well at the world's maybe not but hey if you can get through a field like that you know, in Canada, we're so lucky that we have so many players and so many good players and so many good teams that could represent Canada and do well at the Worlds that it wouldn't be fair to select one team over another, right? No. And also, too, with like how, how are we going to select a team, right? Like, how are you going to pick or justify picking Kui versus Gushu, right? Of course. It's... It, there wouldn't be a, like a fair way and I think it would get a little too political so no and it's also interesting to think that I don't no other sport would work like that no other sport would pick a champion or a representative um arbitrarily 
to say that. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I, what do I know? I just know <laughs> that um, a lot of other sports have actual playoffs or to determine yeah. a champion. You uh, Well, it's part of the game. Like, it's part of competition regardless of the sport, right? Yeah. You don't just declare winners. Oh, look, there's another political reference. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hot week, guys. Yes. I guess another argument against it, though, would be because you know how in curling some teams just get on a hot streak, right? And we've seen it in past Briars and Cotties where you have a team that comes out of nowhere that you never would have thought would be playing in the final and they just got a hot got on a hot streak and but like, I, won. Yeah. I love I seeing is, that. Yeah, which is great. But then there's the critique of, oh, can this team then perfo- continue this performance on at the world? Like they don't have experience. They don't have this, blah, blah, blah. And we all know that if a team doesn't medal at the world or the Olympics, like that's a big issue, right? We're kind of expected to. Maybe, but that's where I want the narrative to change. I think it's much better for the sport when other countries win. I don't think Canada needs to win every year. Oh boy. Is that controversial? I don't know. But Well, um, they do if you want to keep the funding. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, but really, it's uh, I th- but, you know, for the survival of the sport. I think it's good to have other mm-hmm. countries win. Um, I have other concerns about curling in Canada, and it's not how well we're doing internationally. To your point, if other teams are beating us on the world stage, it just means that we, as a country, gotta up our game. We've taught them well. I mean, all of them essentially moved to Canada in the winter time to compete <laughs> here, right, before going to the worlds. Exactly. Getting all uh, upset about that, I think, would be very un-Canadian of us. So. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Another good point for Canada's selection process is, you know, right now we have a representative from each province, so from Newfoundland to BC. And Canada is such a huge country that, like, teams from Nova Scotia aren't necessarily going to fly to BC for a regular competition, right? Like no. the maritime team, like East Coast is East Coast, West Coast is West Coast, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, like they'll it's travel also, with yeah. them. It's also really funny to be talking about this now because I think the only place you can curl in Canada right now is Atlantic Canada. That's true. Well, the they only got COVID f- or only places with COVID under control. So mm. I know that like there have been some tournaments in uh, Alberta. And, it's true, but and that was I think before it got much worse. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's so expensive and it's so far to travel within Canada that it's like one of those moments where we get to see people from across the country. Like we're really scanning the country here for a representative and we're not just getting uh, like a small niche of people. Yeah. And it's interesting to think um, how on the subject of that, how we have the province versus province model to, to, to declare our champions that even though that, well, that format's been tweaked a little bit over the last few years, but it's essentially kept the same. Uh, yeah, we had method. that little test, that little test run of the relegation. With oh that my just God, not don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> team, it'll be four years where it's like team wildcard. And all, to be fair, there are, there were a couple of cases where the wildcard team made it to the final or to the playoffs at least. Yeah, like the wildcard team will always be good. It's just, it's weird to explain to somebody when uh, they're not curlers and you tell them, oh yeah, yeah, turn on TSN. It's the national, it's the Briar, it's the national championship. And they turn it on, province versus province. Hey, you're from Alberta. You can, And then they turn it on like team Canada versus team wildcard or North Ontario. <laughs> Ontario. That's a province. So there's always weird things about it. 
But I think suffice it to say, we hated relegation, right? The idea of getting yeah. rid of a province, it was... And it's not fair for the other, because it's what, four teams that went into relegation? It's not fair for the other three teams because they have to plan that they'll be there for the week and a half. Right. We should actually say, like, this is when the Briar and Tournament of Hearts for many, many, I think, decades were full round robins with a team from mm-hmm. every province. And when Nunavut was brought in, that was one extra team, but they decided that all the territory should be split up into three teams rather than just one. And they felt like they had to overhaul the whole f- tournament format just to squeeze in that extra team. Well, I mean, you couldn't do... Like, already the 13-team round robin was a lot. Yeah, it was 12. Yeah, it was 12. 12? Okay, and it would have been a little bit of an issue. But, I mean, getting rid of provinces and just kicking them out was... I don't mind the new format that they have now, to be honest. How they're, they separate into two groups and they do their yeah, own round robin. And then the top... The top four of each move on to like the playoff round, I guess. Yeah, it, it's grown on me over the years. It's not that bad. It's, uh, it's a good compromise. Yeah, it's okay. better. It's certainly better than kicking out teams. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. And then it also, with the whole relegation, it wouldn't benefit the smaller provinces or the territories, you know, because like history has shown us that the territories aren't uh, the top competitors in in these competitions so we would just never see them play right they would go to you know swift kerr and saskatchewan for four days and then head back north and this actually kind of leads into what i've noticed in curl or in our in the way canada does things in the last uh 15 20 years is that there's been a real shift towards these really elite teams getting eliter and going further and further away from the rest of the pack and I just mean by that, when we think of, let's start with the Tournament of Hearts. You've got Rachel Holman, Jennifer Jones, Chelsea Carey every now and then. And then, and there's some teams that knock on the door. Carrie Einerson is starting to do, do that. But after that, like we are miles until we get to the next teams, aren't we? Unless I'm forgetting yeah. somebody. It's weird. I haven't curled. I, don't, I know I'm forgetting people. But. No, but I totally agree with you because now um, if you go back 10, like, 10 years or so all the top curlers like they are they all had part-time jobs right they curled half the time and they had a, a part-time job with whether it was running a beer store or you know, <laughs> we, lo- we love you Glenn. or something like that but within the past 10 years there's definitely been a shift in those elite teams now taking the next step and becoming full-time professional curlers essentially and with that comes a lot more sponsorship and funding, et cetera, et cetera, which allows them to, you know, focus all their time on curling. It's true. Yeah. And that's a huge advantage. Yeah. To illustrate that point, uh, I actually did research for this episode. Look at me. Uh, You came prepared. Yeah. Not really. Trivia time, Kelly. So um, name in the last 20 years, a team that won the Briar that is not from, uh, not Gushu and not from Alberta. In the past 20 years? Yeah. See, you have to think. Okay, but you had to think for a minute. Howard. Okay, name another one. Okay, after Howard, because Howard and Martin were like the... Howard, yeah. Yeah. They are always battling it out. But after Howard, there was another winner, right? Uh, So in the last 20 years, Alberta has won 11 Briars. I'm including Team Canada. Like if you're from... Like if Cooey is Team Canada, I'm counting that as Alberta. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Alberta has 11 Briars. Newfoundland has three, all Gushu. 
Howard has two, and then Northant, Quebec, Manitoba, BC, and Nova Scotia have one. Oh well, Jacobs won. Jacobs has that one briar. Yeah, only one. Only one. one yeah. See, he's won the Olympics, so that's why we keep thinking like he's won more. But he actually has only won the briar once. Oh, I thought he won at least two or three times. But it's interesting how, um, like, we already know that it's been dominated by really two or three provinces. But what's interesting, I think, is that in the more recent, or if you look earlier in the time period I just mentioned, like early 2000, you have the Randy Furby dynasty, but you've got Greg McCauley out of BC. I don't remember him. I know, I I don't either. I've just heard the name because he's a Briar winner, but if he uh, walked down the street right now, I... I'm sorry to Greg McCauley, but I would not recognize him. But yeah, it, back then, it seemed like um, any province could win. It's true. And now, or just case in point, Quebec won a briar, which I still have a hard time believing. And I'm sad to say, I don't think will ever happen again. Well, that's the thing. Alberta is such a powerhouse and it's easier for teams there um, because one, they, ha- they have a good competition. So they're playing against other good teams. And two, it's a very, like curling is very present in that province. So it's easier to get sponsorship money and deals and stuff like that. Whereas Quebec, for instance, yeah. doesn't have that, right? <laughs> like, it's really, uh, I, I'm sure people in Alberta love hearing two people from Quebec complain about things in curling from our perspective. I know we have it good, but it's, and I'm, of course, Alberta, Manitoba, they're always going to be powerhouses. But what, but yeah, I think what we're, we're getting to is that the, uh, the ability to compete and to stay relevant in the competitive game. And that's why I, I'm going to make it. If you want to do it from here in Quebec, you need a lot of money. That's right. That's why I'm going to make a bold statement here and say that Jean-Michel Menard is, I think, in my opinion, one of the greatest curlers of all time because he managed to keep up with the rest of these elite players for so many years, despite never traveling. Or, I mean, he traveled a little bit, but the amount of money he put into curling was a fraction. He's the Tampa Bay Rays of uh, <laughs> curling, to borrow a baseball metaphor. But also, too, in the last his last uh, Briar appearance, like he even said it himself, like the the gap between the top players or the top teams and the not so top teams, the gap is just getting wider. And he's also like, I don't want to commit all that time. I don't want to dedicate my life to curling. Yeah, like, and I think he had some. Are. Yeah, and he's like, I can't compete with these guys anymore. I know. I think he he had some quote. I'm going to misquote it, but it was something along the lines of, "I'm paying other teams to beat me," or it's just he's doing the math. And as good as he was, it just it wasn't sustainable. And to me, that's that's an, an issue that I would like fixed in Canada. Is that I I have no problem with uh, even as much as I don't like the whole wild card idea, I'm all right with that. Yeah, there should be two teams out of Alberta. You can win me over on that. But I'd like to see a way that we can support competitive, aspiring teams out of, say, New Brunswick. See more parity from province versus province. If we're going to, especially if we're going to make the case that Nunavut should be included, as I think they should, we should actually do things to help them develop competitively and give them access to uh, Mm -hmm. higher training, higher, higher competition. It's really hard. But it, it's a yeah. hard problem to solve. I know. It's um, easy for me to say. Yeah. It's easy for me to say. But yeah, what can you do? I don't know. And you would think too with Ontario, because Ontario has quite a few curl, like a high number of curlers. And um, like there's no national train, like a second national training center. Uh, like that would make sense 
to have one there because it would cater to, you know, mostly Ontario, but Quebec and the maritime teams, because, you know, for us to fly to Alt Lake to Edmonton, that's a a good $800, $900 ticket. Yeah. You can go to Europe cheaper. Absolutely. And it'd probably be a much funner trip. Yeah. Once we're allowed to go again. Exactly. But also like at least here in Quebec, I mean, the curling culture just doesn't exist, right? It's like hockey, hockeyville. That's right. And ultimately, yeah, people are playing to win the province, but they're not really playing to win Canada. They know it's not feasible. Well, exactly. Right now. The mentality when going into the provincials is yes, to win and to get, it's more like to get the experience of going to a Scotty's or a Briar versus I want to be world champion, which mm-hmm. I mean, life goal, we all like, I'm sure they all have that, but realistically, it's more of a let's go enjoy our time. Let's try and make it to the like the championship round of the the round robin. Maybe place a playoff spot, but that's kind of like where yeah. the expectation stops. It's easy for me to sit here and complain. That's pretty much all I do. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, that's just it's my soapbox moment here of of when I talk about these provinces that are really don't have any briar aspirations is that what I'm more interested in than winning is the sport's long-term survival Mm -hmm. and I think if we could get a good team out of the Maritimes or a good team out of Quebec and get them access to training and then maybe the sport would grow here maybe it would grow in Atlantic Canada I think Mm -hmm. maybe it has because of Brad Gushu he's the one exception of the Atlantic Canada rule but, but even then, I think out of uh, Newfoundland, like there's only two or three teams that enter the uh, the provincial playdown. Oh yeah, like what's the point? Well, yeah, because I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be Brad Gushu, right? No. But yeah, I mean, I think we're coming to a point where Canada may need to revisit its national team selection process because we have seen it. You know, we've mentioned this point over and over again how the gap the gap is growing between the elite and the just the regular competitive people. And we've seen that effect too with like in these provincial playdowns. I mean, what ten a few years ago, the men's provincial playdowns had what like plenty of teams enter. Even the regional playdowns, like that was a um, that was hard. Even when we were in junior, we guys, it was very. It was it wasn't easy to get a regional spot. I know. And the first year, I'll always remember this, the first year that we made junior provincials, we were celebrating. We thought that was the biggest deal ever. And it was. It was a big it competitive big thing to get a, to nab a spot. And now it's just you sign up and go. Well, now they're trying to get people to sign up. Now they need people to sign up. Like, hey, can you uh, find three people and enter a team? And, and I mean, I don't want to date us too much, I'm, but you know, those days where it was hard to get out of the regional, like to win a regional spot was what, 2008? It's just not that long ago. Yeah. We're, we're not that old. <laughs> Feels like it though. I know. But no, like exactly. The game has changed so much. And I think, you know, that's also part of the reason why, like I personally haven't been so keen on getting back into competitive play. I'm just like, what's the, like, I'm sacrificing so much for what? You know, I love to play, but it comes with a sacrifice to be a competitive curler on like your own personal life or your work life. But if it's just to win a provincial and then go three and 10 at the Scotties, like, is it worth it? That's a very, uh, that's that's a question that a lot of people uh, ask themselves. It's a very good question. I wonder. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some people would think, oh, doesn't matter. Like just because the Scotties and the Briar, they just hold such... Like there's such a 
important part of curling in Canada. Like they hold such a big, like such big weight. It's like the tournament of all the tournaments you want to win. It's that one, right? Mm -hmm. So I think. But I would argue a lot of people would just would give anything they have to just be in it and go three and ten. Yeah, especially for us ladies. I mean, you get a lot of jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) So I would do it just for that, right? At the Briar, I assume you'd get unlimited Tim Hortons as well. Well, not that like I would really care because uh, we I all know, know my I brought that up in Yeah, but yeah, and like people have said uh, for many years now, you know, like winning the Cana- a Canadian national championship is is harder than winning the worlds. Yeah, and actually, I don't know if you want to get into the Olympics and the whole selection process for that. But one of the funny things is that I it just reminds me of how hard it is um, when we went to the trials in Ottawa to watch it. Um, back two, three years ago, whenever it was. And we uh, came back, I think I bought a little coffee mug and I was drinking from it at work the next day. It said Roar of the Rings on it. And somebody saw it and they're like, oh, what's that? And they go, oh, it's, uh, I didn't even know I had it. It's the Olympic trials in curling. I was there this weekend in Ottawa. And was the guy- Was one in Ottawa and King? It was in Ottawa, yeah. Okay. This is when it was in uh, Canada at the- Yeah, yeah, where the senators play. That, they say it's in Ottawa, but like it's- That's right. It's a good hour past Ottawa. Yeah. But anyways, um, so somebody looked at my coffee mug, oh, what's that? And I, oh, it's the Olympic trials. It's to see who goes to the Olympics for curling. And the guy said, oh, how'd you do? Did you, did, were you close to going to the Olympics? And like, I don't know if you've ever heard things like that. I'm like, uh, yes. I want to go like, uh, yes, yes, I was. I, uh, I, I, in fact, I won, but you know, I, work was getting in the way. I said, I'll give it to somebody else. But no, it's, it's interesting that people don't realize how incredibly hard it is to make the Olympics in curling. And ironically, I think even though, I mean, we tell people, we've said it many times here, we are not very competitive, but we've been around. We're, we mm-hmm. know our stuff. We, have, we would have a better chance of making the Olympics if we quit curling and took up another sport, starting oh, from zero. Should you pick a bobsled? Oh, that'd be interesting. I just keep thinking of the, that uh, Jamaican bobsled of course. movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> But yeah, to your point, um, the way Canada selects its Olympic team is different than how we select our national team for Worlds, right? But it's a similar structure. It's you collect the best teams that have uh, the best teams around for the last four years and you throw them into the ultimate tournament of death. But it's not, yeah. I mean, in a sense, you have to win your way to the Olympic trials, but you're not constrained by your geographic location. No, that's like the huge difference, right? Because the the team's going to the Olympic trials. So if you win either nationals in the past two years, uh, Canada Cup winner also gets to go. I think the winner of the like on the points and then yeah, I never bother to follow the way that they break down the teams. I just you know, all the good ones will make it for sure. And then it's the pre-trials. So the Olympic trials is a little different because Unlike for nationals and like for Scotties and the Briar, where you have the top team from each province, for the trials, you just have the top teams at the moment in Canada, regardless. So we could end up with a tournament with five teams from Alberta playing down for the Olympic spot. Yeah, maybe we'll get to the Olympics next time because we're doing our international show next. Uh, But actually, because you remind me when the trials is very similar to the uh, the format anyway of the Canada Cup, Mm -hmm. I think because I don't know how you qualify. I assume it's something similar. Like if you're the defending champion of the Briar Tournament of Hearts, if you've won this, if you've won that, whatever, it's it's a grouping of the top money making 
teams in the country. And yes, maybe three of them are from Alberta and two of them, they're all from like four provinces. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you do the math, I mean, yeah, the competition there is theoretically better. But my question to you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, Canada Cup or Briar slash Tournament of Hearts? Oh, Rob, I was going to throw the same question right back at you, actually. Um, Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if can't like if we move to a similar Canada Cup selection or like Olympic trial selection for for every year for every year for like uh for selecting the team I know that was yeah that was in the works for a while I remember yeah, it was being discussed it's a hard one because logically I think it would be the smartest move and the I don't want to say best move but I think it's the best way to guarantee you'll get like the top teams battling it out for the national title. I suppose, but... However, on the other hand, (laughs) like I said before, the Briar and the Scotties just play such an... have Like they play such an important part and they're just such like a traditional event that every curler looks forward to. Like it holds so much weight that if... Don't mess with it. If you remove the title of national championship from that, what is it? What like it? What's the point? Yeah, I, I think one of the best things or examples is that. Um, okay, I'm going to show uh, how much of a curly nerd I am. But when I was looking through the list of the recent Briar and Tournament of Hearts winners, I had to look up a few of them. But most of them I can remember. I can remember the Randy Furby and Colleen Jones dynasty. I can remember Jennifer Jones winning all the time. But can you name like the Canada Cup winners? I mean, I I can I get I can guess who won, but I I don't actively follow it. I don't. Um, I don't think like what's gonna. Ha- I don't think that the winner of the Canada Cup is gonna be the winner, like the representative. representative. But it's that's still gonna be the winner of the Briar or the Scotties. However, the format's gonna change where they'll remove the provincial format and then right. So, uh, but essentially making it, Cup. yeah, essentially yeah. making it the Canada Cup. So that it was- would be the death of the provincial playdowns and all that stuff. That's right. And I know it was floated. It was discussed at one point um, a couple of years ago. And I think they brought in this whole wild card thing as a sort of compromise. And if that keeps it from going this route, then good for good as far as I'm concerned. Because my big thought with it was that the only thing that gets people into the audience at these curling events is not Angus McStone. It's not whatever lame ad campaign Curling Canada comes up with. It's the province versus province format. And I I just say that because watch any of the Grand Slams. The Grand Slams have the best of the best, not just from Canada, but from all over the place. And there's not a lot of people there watching. Viewership isn't the same. But I think I I, I told you this before. I think with the Slams, it's just, it's a lot of tournaments are all the same. You can't differentiate between them. Oh yeah, the the Humpty's Cup and the Pinty's whatever and uh, the Swiffer, I don't know. It doesn't have the same appeal (laughs) as uh, those. And I'm just going to, this may be a bold statement, but I do think that if they get rid of the the provincial playdowns and the provincial format in our national championships, it'll be the death of curling in a lot of provinces. Yes, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, I I hate the idea. It would be a shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think I'm more interested. And again, I don't know how to do it, but I think we came up with a pretty good idea. High performance training facility somewhere in Eastern Canada, somewhere in Northern Canada, anything that helps spread the make or just uh, somewhat more parity between provinces. 
I'm sure there's a lot more people who are more like knowledgeable on, on how to do this. But yeah, but I think when they pitched the idea that of maybe declaring champions from the Canada Cup or restructuring everything to be like the Canada Cup and only take the best players, I think that the they um, miss. I think that they were kind of out of touch, curling Canada, out of touch with what curling fans actually want. And of course, I don't speak mm-hmm. for all of them, but I think they were under the assumption that it's higher quality curling. People will love that, mm-hmm. and I. Don't agree. I think people will prefer the Briar and Tournament of Hearts with the province versus province. Because the other thing I'm going to say is that don't tell me the quality is not high. I know that some of the provinces there are not going to figure well, too prominently, <laughs> but the, the quality is still high. There's still... Yeah, no, it, it, it's not... Uh, I mean, we're still getting good teams out of it, right? Yeah, it, it's, it is working, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a very controversial topic. Yeah, well, I guess one thing that they brought in, and you've participated in this too recently, is other other tiers of competition. So we have, there's the Travelers, oh, right? Oh, right, yeah. Or the, yeah, Travelers pulled their sponsorship. So it's the Egg Farmer. No, wait, that's, that's the Egg Farmers <laughs> was the juniors. We got that in our, in an actual mail today. We have viewers or listeners, whatever. I should, we were correct. We were, we were corrected. corrected. Right. It's so it's, I don't think they have a sponsor. I think it's just a, the Canadian curling or the Canadian club level championship or something. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep calling it the yeah, travelers. Me now. too. It's what I do. So yeah. So this is um for, I guess, kind of like what competitive curling was maybe 15 years ago, where you have a lot of people who love curling as like a hobby or they still want to have it as like a part-time thing and allows them to compete and travel around well done (laughs) and to kind of get that competitive experience uh without you know dedicating their full life to it yeah it's a it's a great idea gives a national championship to people that are more at our level Mm -hmm. and um the cool thing about it is that they you're not allowed if you've been to the men's or women's provincials or i think you're allowed like one player who's been but you're not allowed to be that elite or like you couldn't have gone in the past like five years or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Like it's the eligibility rules are, I don't even want to begin mm-hmm. to think about them. But the point is, is I've not done anything in a long time. So I know I'm able to. And when we so had it, yeah. I guess it makes people think like not all is lost. Like they can still compete and have a chance at a title. I mean, it's not that's and what's really, a title, but it, it is something. And what's really interesting is like I've played the provincials for it a couple of times. And the first few times we did it, um, it was a really throw together tournament. It was 12 teams and it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. They, they, they rushed you through the tournament quite quickly. And every year though, the competition got better and better and better. And mm-hmm. one year we were playing it and um, it was up in Val d'Oc, which was, we drove about 12 hours just to play this tournament. Yeah. And no, sorry, it was, it was in Huayna Randa, even further. And we we went all the way there. We did well. And the thing that's interesting is they had 12 men's teams, 12 women's teams, which 12 women's teams in Quebec, like we didn't have 12 teams try to get to the Tournament of Hearts. And oh, it's sure. just, I think, yeah, it's like if you get five, congratulations. Yeah, like five is a lot. And mm-hmm. they had 12 women's teams fighting to go to this thing. And we had a couple, we had a women's team at our, our curling club, I think, who participated, no? Yeah, and they, they, uh, yeah. they got very close. It was... Yeah. Uh, our club is well represented. And you know what? I'm sure a lot of te- uh, women's teams there, like they 
would have gone to the provincials, but you know, they're just like, there's no way we're going to win. And even if we do win, there's no way we're going to do well. Yeah. And so actually that's, um, that leads me to what my point is, is that, Hey, curling Canada, find a sponsor for this tournament because it's worth having. There's a lot of people that still want to play and, Mm -hmm. um, that are, and just, that's the best evidence I can give. The fact that Quebec had 12 women's teams, sign up for this um and even more because some failed to qualify so it shows the demand is there and unfortunately the whole format of like three because it's three days uh it's It's not much of a provincial but it's expensive right so also to like these teams now they only have to cover costs for three days whereas the provincials is what five days I suppose. I For think so- they'd be longer if they had 12 teams in the in the provincials because they're just five so- game round robins. They're pretty short. But it was it's just because it's a really clunky format. If you lose mm-hmm. one game, you're basically done. Yeah, but that here's the thing. So you're taking a week off work. You're spending all this money to drive to God knows where in the province. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm not asking for a week off work. I'm just thinking no. one extra day would have but been... If, but this is why some teams aren't going or like aren't signing up for the provincials anymore it's you're taking it like it does involve a lot of sacrifice for like oh yeah like i can't work isn't worth work. it yeah a week off work you got to get there uh room and board it's it's not cheap yeah so th- this i think is much more attainable and we were talking to the mm-hmm. the team that beat us and went on to win the championship and they were saying that they've played this for years and every year it gets better and better and better this is worthy of investment this is where the curlers in canada are the the the, the bulk of us anyway most of us are not tv worthy how about i'm throwing this out there let me know what you think about it okay what if so you're saying the travelers is gaining more and more like momentum and popularity what if the provincial playdown format moves to the travelers or like the traveler travelers adopt this format or like absorb this tournament and Canada's national team selection moves to a more Canada Cup type of tournament? I still don't like so it. You're replacing the type. So you're still getting um, we're still keeping our, our beautiful Briar and Scotty's like provincial playdown thing, but it's just not as prestigious i guess no i still um, i i wouldn't touch no? the bra i mean you can tweak the tournament of hearts and briar to me but i would not just because we, we it's the tr- it's not just those that we have national champions for we have it for junior seniors mixed there's mm-hmm. province versus province for all kinds of levels but nobody really goes to those it's all the tournament of hearts and briar more so the briar that draws people in mm-hmm. and so i but would not um... But that's the same for every sport, right? Like junior competition never gets the same. Yeah, I suppose not. Same with seniors. Like no one watches those. Yeah. We're, we're alienating more and more people. But like, no, but regardless of the sport, it's always like the adult competition, you know. Luckily for curling, we have a, athletes have a long lifespan mm-hmm. of competing. You know, you can compete until you're 50 or 60. You know, I was thinking this year um, when uh, this team that won Quebec to go to the Briar was, um, they're, they're very young. They're just out of juniors. Oh, they're straight out of yeah. The um, Alec Bedard. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is like, we were talking, I think before about how we feel kind of old. We were juniors and then we knew all the people that were behind us and now we don't know anyone. And mm-hmm. I remember like Alec Bedard being extremely young and just when he won, I was like, so when do I turn senior? When can I start going for senior nationals? 
still a ways away, unfortunately. But that was my thought. Yeah, well, I'm sad to say, Rob, uh, I think it's just going to get worse from here (laughs) unless you start attending more, like, provincial competitions and stuff. Get back into the... No, we did try that one time with mixed doubles, but that's a whole different story. We have to keep plugging that because it's a good story for another podcast, but... It'll just be the star we keep mentioning, but never fully. We never fully explain. You have to listen to every episode we make because it's the only way you're going to get the full story. Maybe at the end, we'll do a big reveal of uh, what happened. That's true. So I guess we haven't come into uh, any consensus here, really, as to where Canada's going in their national selection process. No, it's just a typical podcast for us. We're in disagreement and uh, we're bringing up Randy Furby again. He always somehow comes up every week. We we mention Randy Furby. We have to shoehorn him in in every yeah. uh, episode. Um, but you know what? I'm just like, my parting thoughts here is um, I, I definitely love the way that we have it set up right now. Like it's, you know, the Briar and the Scotties are definitely like my favorite tournaments. Me after too. the Continental Cup. Wait, Continental but, you know, Cup? You're a fan of the Continental Cup? Well, not recently, but back, but like before I was a big fan. Okay. It was so much fun. This is a... a Sorry to interrupt your closing another, thought, yes. Another episode. Um, I'm but I wouldn't fan, be... but go ahead. What, you're not a fan? Well, I, I am. It's just, I, I'm, I'm indifferent, let's say that. It's, it's, you know what? If you want to make curling more entertaining and, and whatnot, like Continental Cup is something... Like, does the job. Maybe. Um, okay, so to recap, yes, I love, I am definitely a fan of our current, like, selection process. However, I wouldn't be surprised if it changes within the next, like, Olympic cycle or two. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not the next one, but the one after. My thought, mm-hmm. and yeah, my closing thought is uh, I wouldn't panic if I'm curling Canada over the level of... Or maybe maybe we should panic, but to me, it's not over how well Canada's doing. It's over the fact that there's a lot of clubs closing and that there's not mm-hmm. a lot of people. And of course, that'll be even more so the case probably because of the pandemic. But um, I'm much more interested in the sports survival in different areas than how well Canada does. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's definitely like twofold. It's finding a way that ensures that we're fine like we're picking the best team to or the best team wins uh for that year without killing the sport in other parts of the country mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah i guess that's where we're at so stick yeah. around uh for next week where we get to talk about more stuff we're not super knowledgeable about but is a selection <laughs> process um in other countries and or how the rest of the world uh picks their team because they don't all subscribe to Canada's way for various reasons. Even though they should. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, some of them, like, to be fair, some of them can't. Some right? of the, oh, I know. Yeah, that was a... Yeah. But anyway, stay tuned for more. Yeah, this isn't over. We'll fight again. Until next week. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>